Hello and welcome my partners in crime. Welcome back to another True Crime Unsolved Missing Case again. This is case number eight. This is the disappearance of Adam, Trevor and Michael O'Brien. Now, Adam, Trevor and Michael O'Brien are missing brothers from uh, Torbay, uh, Newfoundland in Labrador or and Labrador of Canada. Right, I'll show you some maps. You can say I've never been to Canada. So this is all guesswork, but I've had a look on the maps uh, it looks quite cold but anyway I want to tell you about this case this is a a strange case this one when I started reading this case I thought whoa it was like reading a book really actually I don't know why anyone hasn't made a book out of this this case very interesting case indeed but anyway it's unsolved okay so it's an unsolved case with quite a lot of different twists and turns in it a very interesting missing case but also this is an older case this is a 1996 case and these people have never been seen or heard of since the day they went missing. Three brothers. So Adam, Trevor and Michael O'Brien are missing brothers from uh, Torbay, Newfoundland. We're just going to say Newfoundland in Canada. They were allegedly abducted by their father, Gary O'Brien, on the 9th of November 1996. Their kidnapping made both national and international headlines and Gary O'Brien is wanted by Interpol for the abduction of these three boys. Now there's been various tips that's come in over the years, different things, you know, because there is a $50,000 reward for any information that will lead to, you know, the outcome of finding any of these people that's missing in this case, any of them, especially, I think, the father because really you, you, you need him because he will then tell you what he's done with his children if he's done anything, allegedly. I have to say allegedly, just in case. Anyway, so, um, but police said they've never been able to locate the O'Brien brothers or their father since 1996. I mean, gosh, you know, it just, this case, when you hear about actually the background to this man, you know, I, I just, I'll leave it up to you, I think, what you think about this case. This is a shocking case, this one. So on the 9th of November 1996, Adam, Trevor and Michael O'Brien, aged 14, 11 and 4, went to visit their father, this non-custodial parent. So his, the mother had full custody, he just had some visitation rights, as many people do, uh, and... Um, they went there to this home in um, Torbay, uh, Newfoundland. Now, at 8.30pm that night, Gary called Diana Baldland. Now, this is the ex-wife, right? This is the mother of these children and the ex-wife of him. He called her and told her <laughs> that he was not going to return her children. I'm not going to return the boys. You're not having them. Now, I, and I've said before, this is why I don't do family law, because it's traumatic, I would, I would think. You know, because you have a lot of this. You know, sometimes the kids are put in the middle of things, and, you know, one of the parents or both the parents are killing each other over custody. We even have it with animals, you know. But at this day, now he didn't have custody rights over them at all. He had visitation rights. He would have had to bring these children back, so she could have rung the police, which she did, right, to get these children back. But do you know what he said to her? Now, he told her that day, 8.30pm, I am not going to return the boys to you. I am not. Now, he also said, 
that he had rigged the house with this makeshift bomb, you know, that he'd done at home, and he'd rigged up the house, so if anybody tried to enter that house, that he would blow it up. Now, you know, you think, hmm, a lot of people would have said that, wouldn't they? You know, oh no, this man meant it. So of course, Diana, of course she spoke, you know, <laughs> to the police and everything else about it. Um, and she, she rang the police, listen, immediately. She rang the police immediately. She told him about the boys, but then she also said about that he had said he'd made this homemade makeshift bomb. And if anyone tried to enter that house, it would explode. Now what he'd done, this man, in doing that, and luckily for the police, they took him seriously. Because when the police arrived at Gary's house, they discovered that actually he had set up this makeshift bomb using 400 pounds, 180 kilograms of propane tank that would have exploded and destroyed not only his home, but also the surrounding houses in that area. He'd used that much explosion stuff, I mean, to trigger. So he wasn't lying. Thank God they didn't just rush in. But you see what that did, that then gave Gary enough time then, didn't it? I mean, because when you have police now dealing with this, you have, not only because you don't know if they're in the house, you know you can't enter that house, the time it takes for you, now this investigation to get going, then all of a sudden, hang on a minute, you realise this house could go up, and so could everyone in it, and everyone in the surrounding area be going up with it, including them, would have gone up with this bomb. Everything has to slow down. Now, so there isn't so many people looking for Gary, because they're concentrating, aren't they? on this, you know, incident, which has turned out to be a really terrible, serious incident, that it's going to take every bit of manpower they've got. And that's, you see, what Gary relied on to give him enough time to get them boys away from this area. And that's exactly what he did. So I think by Gary doing that, we can understand his mindset at the time of this disappearances can't we? He had no intention of returning this boys. This was a planned event. He had planned this for probably quite a while, I would say, by everything he'd done in preparation for them boys to come, the house to be blown up if it needed to be. He was prepared. He was planned. And so if he'd planned all that, why didn't he plan his escape and where he was going to go after that, which he probably did as well. So, you know, I don't think we should underestimate Gary O'Brien's ability here to stay under the radar for this long and to take these children and get rid of these children with him or do anything else to his children. This man was well known for domestic abuse. He also had um, issues with, um, you know, mental issues. Um, he was unwell, should we say. But you have a man that has the ability to make a makeshift bomb. You have the man that can, he knew that the police would be so taken by that that they would be able to get away easily. And I think he did have it all planned. And I think this is probably why that we haven't heard anything from any of these kids or him to this day. Now, Gary was described by his ex-wife, as I've said, by... You know, he had a history of um, violence, 
He was quite violent and these boys would have been brought up and seen that so they would have just done as they were told this man. He did have suicidal tendencies and he also had psychiatric problems as I said he had mental health issues. Now um, he was described as being a bit introvert so he wouldn't be in your face out there really but he was very resourceful and I think that shows by this case and, and how he's dealt with this case really right from day one the planning went into this this man is resourceful and probably knows a lot of people that he needs to know and is easy enough. He likes to be on his own, do things on his own. We're talking about Canada here. Uh, you know, his, his Interpol have got him on the lookout for him because this man's a dangerous man because of what he can do. Not what he did, but what else he can do. So he's on Interpol and they are looking for him. So he's not like, I don't think he's left Canada, but he's probably in some other part of Canada. His wife did say that there was um, talk of um, rumours that he may have gone and joined some cult and he may have already had that plan before he'd gone and then these kids have been brainwashed and stuff so they would never be seen again and wouldn't want to know her so they wouldn't come forward. That's a possibility, isn't it, as well, in this case of what could have happened here. Now in October 1997, almost a year after the disappearance, an engine assembly for this eight, 1989 Ford Tempo, uh, or Tempo, sorry, um, which had been used from, which was thought to be from Gary's vehicle, was discovered, discovered on the ocean near uh, Flat Rock. Now, approximately 10 kilometres from where the boys disappeared, but no bodies were ever recovered at this location. Do I think that Gary... <laughs> killed these kids there no do i think gary planned to have things look like he killed them kids there yes am i saying that gary at some point down the line didn't kill these children no i'm not because i don't think with gary that you can say anything like that but i think this was another ruse of gary's to put you off the scent you know it was 10 only 10 k's away from we know where these boys went missing and all of a sudden they find this you know engine to make it look like the car's gone in to the sea but nobody's were found and certainly not at this location they wouldn't have been you know as i said he's very resourceful gary people you can tell by how he is um do i think they're going to find these kids unless someone comes forward and says anything uh no because he's never ever going to give these kids up is he and it could be right, they could be brainwashed, they could be, have been in a cult, there's plenty of places that they could have been in and joined in and still live there to this day and are happy living their life without anyone knowing. So I must say at this point, if you have any information on any of these kids or on Gary himself and you have ever seen them or think you've seen them because we've got the age progression photos now of what they look like then and what they look like now, you know, and they look a bit older by now, um, please um, contact someone and let them know and I'll leave the where you can contact people at the end of this video. But yeah, um, you know, I, I think this man is so resourceful. Would he have only been with people that he thought he could rely on and stuff? But as I've always said, you know, you know, it's over the years, loyalties change, don't they? what you was like, you know, in 1996-1997, if you was any part of this case or you know anything about this case, your loyalties may have changed and it may be time that you feel it's time for you to come forward and um, tell what you know. That would be really, really good. Now, I think in 1998, 
there was um, about a year later after that other sighting of the car parts and stuff the following year in at Thunder Bay on our on Ontario um, received an anonymous tip from a woman that she had stated that she had recognized the pictures of these all the brothers and that the woman said that she had babysat for them and knew their nicknames of one of the boys and the police attempted to locate this woman in 1999 but they had no luck there at all it's very unsuccessful as I said I think any you know um, anything to do with this Gary or, or whatever he would have been quite made sure that you know people didn't recognize him didn't seem but you never know she she could have been right couldn't she but she never came forward again to say anything maybe she couldn't we don't know anyway that was the last sort of thing uh gary's sister suspects that her brother and her nephews are dead diana firmly believes that her sons are still alive and said that you know this is that she stated actually that this religious commune or you know a cult sort of type thing has raised them in this environment now i've said to you haven't i before when we talk about don't we when we talk about the parent the, the grieving process this woman's not just lost one child she's lost three in one hit with a man that she knows is violent has suicidal tendencies that is willing to you know <laughs> blow up houses you know to get his way you know you're 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 worried aren't you so her belief is that they're not dead they are living somewhere in a community and they don't want to respond to her because they've been brainwashed now um gary's sister on the other hand thinks that these all three of them or four of them sorry have are dead and that gary probably murdered them as well as himself in the end you know of this act of really revenge isn't it you're not going to have them i can't have them so you're not going to have them it happens a lot but there's no evidence either way you see to prove that but parents do um or the ones left behind need something don't they as i said before to keep them going get them out of bed especially when you know the perpetrator that you're dealing with is someone like this uh i think with gary anything anything is probably possible with him to tell the truth so again as i said in order to aid this search of the o'briens you know the brothers of these poor you know these poor kids the national center for the missing and exploited children had created these images and this is what you'll see all through this video this age progression photos of them and how the boys would have looked over the decades you know the most recent one of them was what what i've used is of 2017 but this case remain opens uh, and really and it will continue to remain open with tips coming in and they are usually i think the most recent tip was in 2016 actually 20 years from um, the time um, of the disappearance so things are still going on here so as i said all i can ask you to do if you know anything about any of this case's kids whether you knew them then and you've seen something you know right the way back in 1996 whether you knew gary whether you know gary now or you've known gary over through the years met him just now and again and these photographs and this history sort of you know triggers something in your mind please please get in touch it's really really important 
And if you know any anything, anything about this case, it's really important because this mother really needs to know what has happened to her three boys. It's just shocking, isn't it, really, this case? It really is. I find it absolutely devastating that this woman has had to live with this for all these years, not knowing. So please, if you know anything, do the right thing and come forward. As I always say, Christmas is coming. You know, we're trying to do these cases for awareness, aren't we? We're trying to make sure that we get the pictures out there, we get the sort of stories out there. So to make you think about maybe where you was on that day, who you know, who you saw, has anyone ever said anything to you? You know, has anyone ever asked you not to say anything about any of these missing person cases that we're dealing with or any of the missing person cases that are out there that no one's dealing with? If any, if you've got any information on anything, please state what you know. It's really, really important. So listen, thank you for watching this case. I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate the time you take to comment and talk about these cases and give me your theories on these cases. I find it absolutely fascinating. I'm so glad that we've done this. And it is a challenge trying to get 20 cases out there, um, you know, which are interesting cases that I feel that can have some impact. For some of that, we may get some answers and we're trying to do them from across the world, different ages, multiple people that have gone missing, you know, sometimes. It's, it's been interesting, but it's been difficult. But it's, a, it's not as difficult, is it, as losing a child and not knowing where that child has gone, never hearing from the child. It's just shocking, isn't it? So I think we should do all we can to solve some of these cases, if we can, if we can. I think it would be lovely, wouldn't it? for some of these families to have some good news, whether we bring these children back, dead or alive, at least we're trying to bring them back. So thank you for watching. Till the next time, bye-bye.